Hello, this is Sarah Pearson, Features Editor at the Concord Monitor, here with Granite Geek David Brooks to learn more about an article he wrote this week. Hello, Dave. Hello, Sarah. So today's column is a bit of two for one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, Both the topic is interesting, but the, the way the science was done is also interesting. The topic is environmental problems with road salt, something you've written about before. Yeah, well, it is wintertime, you know, so I, it, and I have to wash the darn stuff off my car, so I might as well write about it as well. Yeah, I wrote about it just a month or two ago, but th this is different. So this was, um, this is talking about a, a study that was just published last week, actually, um, out of uh, Plymouth State, a couple researchers, uh, Plymouth State with some folks at the U.S. Uh, Forest Society, and it looked at whether road salt is correlated with, they're careful to say they, they haven't established any causation, but is correlated with certain metals, certain trace amounts of metals like uh, cadmium and lead and arsenic, not good stuff. No, moving, fun. yeah, moving, fun indeed. <laughs> moving out of the soils where they may exist naturally and into the waterways, into uh, surface waters and into groundwater. And they, they found. A, a, a definite correlation. So there had been some hints that this might happen in some lab work, but this is the first wide-scale study throughout the entire state. So, Well, that would be bad. How alarmed should people be? Not not yet. None of the uh, levels that were found um, were came uh, approached the level of concern to human health, although a couple of them got close to the levels that might be of concern to aquatic uh, health. Um, so this is more of the first time that a study like this has shown that this can happen and happen on a wide scale and happen out in the wild, so <laughs> to speak, um, if we keep dumping lots of you know sodium and calcium products all over the landscape in order to, to help our cars run on, on roads. So what's the second half of that twofer? How was it done? Uh, that's at least as interesting, I think, is it? So this is, they analyzed lots of water samples to find this, which is, which is cool. But they, the water samples that they analyzed had actually been collected between 2010 and 2016 by citizen scientists, volunteers, who had gone out and sampled water from various waterways. And I'm, I mean, some of them were up, you know, way up in Coast County, and some of them down in Massachusetts Line, Seacoast, Albuquerque, all these places, um, for entirely different reasons. They were, that water samples, they were collected for, uh, just to monitor water quality, which is something that a number of groups do. In fact, I've done it as a volunteer in a river close to me. As you, you know, one morning each week, you're you're given the time in the morning, and you wander into the into the waterway and dip a bottle in a certain regulation, certain depth, and all that kind of stuff, and cap it and give it to them. They measure for things like um, E. coli or dissolved oxygen stuff like that. So the water was collected for something entirely different, and it was just sitting around. And the scientists said, hey, you know, there's this question raised as to whether you can correlate road salt with, with uh, toxic metals moving into water. We got a bunch of water that's been collected. We know when it was collected. It was collected under, it was collected under um, circumstances that allow us to use it in research. So let's take it and send it for a metal analysis, something that had never been done. So this is like getting an extra piece of information, extra science out of volunteer work that had been done by citizens, which is, I, I think, really cool. I mean, because citizen science is a big deal. A lot of people do it for a lot of reasons, and we usually do it for one thing. We go out, you know, you go out and you, you 
measure the dragonfire population to help them or something like that to help keep track of how the dragonflies are doing. But you realize when you're adding the database that scientists can, can, can look at the possibilities is that this work might produce new findings, which I think is, is really, neat, really neat about that. So. You're a big fan of citizen science projects, aren't you? I am. I think they're very cool, uh, partly because it, you know, it gets people to realize the value of science, partly because they, they, can, they can be really useful. Um, they started, started out, frankly, as almost a publicity stunt, you know, get, get people to go out and do a little bit of something and pretend they're scientists, and then they'll, then they'll, you know, they'll tell their legislators to give us more funding. Um, but they've actually turned into, into a legitimate tool for science. It's a way to gather lots of data when you couldn't afford to. So the quote in my column talked about if they'd had to go out, if they'd had to hire people to go out and gather all these water samples, it would have cost a fortune. They couldn't have done it. So the research would never have been done. So many citizen science projects are that sort of thing. It's a lot of people going out and gathering data in fairly simple ways, fairly straightforward ways. But the bulk of it, the, the amount of it, allows scientists to, to, to use it in invaluable ways. So I, th I think they're great. Well, thanks for being part of the Citizen Podcast. Citizen Podcast, absolutely. You mean I'm not being paid? You can learn more about road salt at ConcordMonitor.com, and you can see all the Granite Geek columns and related stories at GraniteGeek.org. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher, Google Music, Podbean, or iTunes. The theme music is Little Smartphone People by The Spidekicks.